Welcome to the Goal Line Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Mike Yostrowski in association with Underground Sports Philadelphia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Goal Line Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Mike Yastrowski. Joined, as always, is my lovely co-host, Mr. Kyle Bennett. How are you, buddy? I am rocking, rolling, feeling good. I've got my bucket hat on. I've got a nice ice-cold glass of lemonade because we don't have a drink sponsor on the Goal Line Fantasy Football Podcast yet. So I'm uh, rocking out with some, some awesome lemonade. I've been on this lemonade kick lately, and it's been doing wonders for me. What kind of lemonade you go for? Uh, so I do like the lemon juice with the actual sugar, and I mix it up in a, a little thing, and it is it is delicious. Oh, so you've got like actual lemonade, actual, not just uh, like I not threw just down like in the kitchen made. and made oh, some lemonade. Yeah, no, those are that's always the best kind of lemonade. My favorite is when. You ever go to like a food truck festival, and there's always that lemonade truck that has like the fresh squeezed. Yes gigantic jugs of lemonade that they sell for like four bucks and you get free refills. It's just, it's the best thing that you could buy at a food truck festival. Couldn't agree more. But speaking of the best things you can get in a food truck festival, why don't we talk about some of the best rookies that you can get in your fantasy football drafts for the 2019 season. What a segue. It's great. Lemonade into the NFL. You can't beat it. Dude, that was Paul Blart levels of segues. Peanut Blart and Jelly. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, so last week when we did our previous episode, we did the draft through Sleeper, and Kyle and I had realized that there were a handful of rookies that we actually wanted to discuss a little bit more than we got to uh, last week, and we decided just to uh, kind of bring out an entire uh, podcast about the rookies. So what we're going to do tonight is we have about 28, 29, 30 rookies, give or take, and we're going to go over each one of them, give a little bit of insight. Now, there are tons of rookies that we're not going to cover, and the reason why is because we are only covering the ones that we think will make a somewhat legitimate um, impact in fantasy football in 2019. So we'll get right into it. We'll start with the easy ones. The redraft boys. So we'll start with the easy ones, and we'll go with the quarterback. So when we talk about rookie fantasy quarterbacks there's really only three in my mind that are going to make any sort of quote-unquote immediate impact uh the first one that comes to mind is obviously kyler murray um what do you think we can expect from kyler murray for the year because i know a lot of people on twitter and a lot of people just on the internet in general are pretty divided as to whether or not they can trust kyler murray as a top 12 kind of guy or if he's going to be having some growing pain. So what what do you think about Kyler Murray this year? Well, if you guys listened way back when, when we started doing this podcast, I told you guys I was not a big Kyler Murray fan. Uh, I'm still not there. I still need to see it proven. Uh, so right now, Kyler Murray's kind of like middle of the pack, like QB2 levels for me because he's just kind of a wait and see. Uh, I wouldn't be drafting him as your starter, and if you are, Godspeed. Um, 
<laughs> I think Kyler Murray's more of a, a project-type quarterback in terms of fantasy in 2019. Right now, I just don't see the immediate impact or the immediate benefit of uh, him being your starting quarterback. See, and I have to, I have to disagree with you. I think Kyler Murray is. I don't. I don't necessarily know if I would go out and draft him as my starting quarterback, but I would take him as one of the earlier QB twos. And the reason why is, I I don't think he's going to have over twenty. Uh, passing touchdowns I don't think he's going to have more than 36 3700 passing yards and he's obviously going to throw a fair amount of interceptions as almost any rookie does in the NFL however there's a really good chance that he could have over 500 rushing yards and there's also a pretty decent chance that he could have over five touchdowns and when you combine all of that together I, I, I mean Running quarterbacks in fantasy football are completely broken. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no reason why last year Josh Allen, the rookie quarterback from Buffalo, should be outscoring Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson or even Pat Mahomes on one or two of the weeks. It just shouldn't be happening, but it does. And for that reason, I do think Kyler Murray could be trusted as somewhere between the QB 12 and QB 16. If you have a, uh, a solidified ace type quarterback Kyler Murray's kind of your bye week filler in my opinion yeah yeah if you're if you're someone like me I I always go after a guy like Cam Newton because I do really 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 like the quarterbacks that are going to get me those rushing touchdowns he's pretty comparable to what you're going to get in Cam Newton he's not going to put up the same numbers as Cam Newton but it's going to be the similar play style in terms of fantasy football so if you if you can get a guy like Aaron Rodgers or Baker Mayfield or someone like that earlier on in your draft and you want a bit of variety at the quarterback position, Kyler Murray, probably a good backup uh, quarterback to grab. Yeah, uh, until we see more, obviously. Yeah, now this this next quarterback we're going to talk about is not much of a runner and is not in the same situation set up for success as Kyler Murray is, and that's going to be Dwayne Haskins. So before I ask you about Dwayne Haskins, I will say I think he's going to end up starting this season. I don't think I, I think he's going to take Case Keenum's job away before Case Keenum even technically has the job. Uh, with that being said, as as far as fantasy goes, I don't think I'm trusting Dwayne Haskins in 2019. Well, the crazy thing is Colt McCoy has the starting job right now. It's not even Case <laughs> Keenum. <laughs> wow. Uh, Dwayne Haskins was. Against all of my better judgment and people knowing me, no, I don't trust Ohio State quarterback prospects. I thought Dwayne Haskins was the best quarterback prospect in this draft. Um, I think he's going to end up getting rushed into starting, and he's not going to look good because of it, and people are going to freak out. But I think Dwayne Haskins will have some success uh, this season. It'll be later on, but again, he's kind of a guy that you just stash on your roster if you need a backup quarterback um, to potentially see if you can get him uh, as kind of like a trade bait type quarterback and trade him to somebody who ends up needing someone during a bye week Um, but honestly these rookie quarterbacks give me so much anxiety and stress because they're just not ready yet Mikey they're not ready they're not ready and very rarely are you going to find a fantasy quarterback that is going to come in as a rookie and and be able to produce anything substantial. So I think we can agree 
2019 maybe not the best time to take Haskins. If you ha- if you're in a dynasty league or you know a keeper league, okay, you want to take a mm-hmm. you know if you have a rookie draft, by all means, he's probably going to be a second round pick in there. If you were in a keeper league and you want to take a late round flyer, depending on how many guys you can keep between each league, okay, yeah, that's good. Um, but if you're expecting him to put up big numbers for you in 2019, uh, probably not the best tactic. That is a big mistake. Uh, this next guy and final quarterback that we'll talk about is going to be Daniel Jones. So Daniel Jones was the laughing stock of – well, I wouldn't say Daniel Jones was the laughing stock. I would say the New York Giants were the laughing stock of the 2019 NFL draft. But they put him out in preseason. He balled out. And they're still a laughing stock, Mikey, because I don't know if you saw this video that came out today uh, from Ralph Vacchiano from SNY up in New York. Uh, there was kind of a, a media scrum with uh, Giants owner John Mara today. And here's the quote from Mr. John Mara. I hope Eli has a great year and Daniel never sees the field. What? <laughs> Are you serious? I swear, I will DM the video to you on the Twitter.com right now. Um, but yes, yeah, so that is from ridiculous. Ralph Vacchiano. Uh, from SNY says, quote, I hope Eli has a great year and Daniel never sees the field. Giants owner, well, John Mara, everybody. Well, going off of that, I think Daniel Jones will see the field at some point this season. With that being said, no matter who sees the field for the Giants, you're not drafting them, you're not touching them, you're not looking their way during a bye week. And I if we're only speaking for 2019, I don't think a lot really needs to be said about Daniel Jones. Yeah, not at all. So we will get into something a bit more exciting, and that will be the running backs. The running backs. My, so, my level of expertise. There are, I would say there are about three to five running backs that are rookies that have a legitimate chance at being NFL starters this year. The first one we're going to start off with, and I'm going – kind of down where their ADP is as rookies. And the very first one that comes to mind is going to be David Montgomery of the Chicago Bears. So I know we briefly talked about, you know, Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs. Uh, I know we talked about a few of the guys in the pod last week, but now we can kind of dive into it a little bit more. So what are your expectations for David Montgomery this year? He had a good first preseason game, I'd say. You know, he got into the end zone, uh, did his little celebration. I still want to see more from him. So right now on my radars, I'd be targeting him uh, as a low-end RB2 flex, um, but I think he's got much more upside than I was anticipating. Yeah, and you know, I have nothing. I I did not like David Montgomery. If you if you asked me this time two months ago, I would have said I don't understand what the hype is with this guy. Um, I don't know why everyone's going so crazy over him. And then I see him in training camp. I'm like, okay, he looks pretty good. I see him in the preseason game. I'm like, okay, he looks pretty good. And then you step back and you look at the depth chart in Chicago. And realistically, Mike Davis is no threat to him. And Tariq Cohen is a phenomenal football player, but he's not a phenomenal runner. So mm-hmm. David David Montgomery, very little chance is he not going to be at least the two down back starting week one. So I do think David Montgomery has a ton of potential for this year. And I would draft him as my RB2 or my flex, as you were saying. But, so I released an article today. Um, If you remember last week, I talked about the ADP steals article that I was releasing. Well, today I released the ADP busts. 
And David Montgomery currently in PPR leagues has an ADP of the 11th pick of the third round. That's way too early for me. I I would consider a late fourth on him, and if he fell to the fifth, I would snatch him up immediately. But spending a, a top 35, top 36 pick on a rookie who is not as nearly hyped up as the Ezekiel Elliott's or Christian McCaffrey's or anyone like that was, uh, I, I can't do that. Yeah, not in redraft. Like, this 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 whole draft class <clears throat> in real life was very good for filling out your roster and finding some hidden gems here and there. It wasn't like a superstar-laced draft. And it's the same thing with, with fantasy because it's those same players, but... It's, it's going to be those players that are going to help fill out your roster and give you the depth that you need from the get-go to eventually, hopefully, win you your fantasy championship. And that's what David Montgomery is. He's a flex, low-end RB2 right now, uh, as we record this on August 13th. Does he have more potential to be better? Absolutely. Any player does. Um, but if you're drafting him that early, you're putting a lot of eggs in one basket that, like you said, is more than likely going to end up being a bust-type pick for you rather than a uh, one that pays off. Yeah, because you don't want to draft a low-end RB2 in the third round. The third round is when you want to get a low-end wide receiver one or high-end Starters. wide receiver two, high-end running back two, or even you know a, a stud tight end like Zach Ertz or George Kittle because those guys are also going mm-hmm. in the third round. But so David Montgomery, give it a couple years. I think he is going to be a stud in this league. I think he's got, uh, you know, what he needs to, and he's also on an offense that's trending in the right direction. So for his skill Mon- sets, because Mitch Trubisky is not good. Yeah, but I, I do like David Montgomery, and I I am I am drafting him at the right price this year. Yeah, not the third round. Sure. That's too early for me. Uh, the next guy coming up also has a pretty decently early um, ADP, and that's going to be Josh Jacobs. So Josh Jacobs is actually going right after David Montgomery. Josh Jacobs is like an early fourth-round pick. I think according to the ADP, he's only being, being picked like two or three spots after David Montgomery. And again, you don't know. I won't even say again. I don't think Josh Jacobs is nearly as talented as David Montgomery nope. is. He's he's in a better situation for 2019, but the only reason why is because he doesn't have any real competition. Like he's not on a good team. He's not uber talented. He's not behind um, a good offensive line. Exactly. So it's like I really don't understand the appeal between behind Josh Jacobs. Um, I'm skipping out on him at the beginning of the mm-hmm. fourth round. Hell, I might not even take him if I see him at the beginning of the fifth round, just because I don't trust him for 2019. And quite frankly, I. I don't trust him in the long run either. I don't think his – I mean, he might have a safe floor because of the volume, but I can't see him necessarily winning you any weeks. I mean, I think it's safe to say I don't trust anybody on the Raiders, uh, let alone yeah. it being a rookie running back behind you know an aging offensive line, a John Gruden-led team, and uh, a team that's still quarterbacked by Derek Carr. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with him, but this is this is fair warning. Josh Jacobs, um, I'm not going to call him a bust, but if I had a bonus person to put into my ADP bust article earlier, it would it it would have been Josh Jacobs. A thousand percent so, agree. 
So I would uh, I would probably avoid him at where he's being drafted. The next guy is being drafted at a pretty fair price. It's Miles Sanders. Now, I'm going to let you do most of the talking on Miles Sanders because you are our Eagles fan. You are our Eagles insider, and I know you are hyper-obsessed with Miles Sanders. <laughs> so let me hear what you got to say first. I, I love Miles Sanders. Um, the, the content that I'm getting from my fellow uh, you know, Eagles podcasters and reporters and insiders and everything is that he just looks flat out amazing for a rookie. Um, now, obviously, Jordan Howard is going to be there, but one thing that stood out to me in the uh, the first preseason game for the Eagles, outside of them just laying a flat goose egg almost, was uh, Jordan Howard had to play the entire first quarter. Uh, now, the philosophy that Doug Peterson's kind of put in is that if you're new to the offense, you're going to play this preseason. Um, sure. So Makes take sense. that with a grain of salt. But they're, they're definitely going to split carries, but I think Miles Sanders even though he's a quote-unquote backup right now, uh, is going to get his even share of touches, whether it's catching out of the backfield or running the ball. Um, so I think, you know, even though he's not your immediate RB1 on the Eagles, he's like RB1A, and I think uh, he's definitely worth a draft pick. And he's in that same kind of David Montgomery situation where he's a low-end RB2 flex uh, and definitely somebody that should be on your roster regardless. Yeah, so I went in and I I messaged you a couple weeks ago when I was doing this. Since then, I've obviously updated it a lot. But I went in and I, I did stat projections for all 32 NFL teams. And I was fairly stumped when I got to the Eagles because of the amount of mouths they have to feed. So I, I even left out a couple you know guys that are going to get some looks there. But uh, I'm looking at the projections right now. So we have three running backs. We have three receivers. We have two tight ends. And that's just what the main stats are going to. So I do have Miles Sanders as the highest scoring fantasy running back from Philadelphia. But I have Jordan Howard as the leading rusher and having the most rushing touchdowns. And then I have Darren Sproles getting the most receptions and the most receiving yards. But Miles Sanders is like kind of the perfect balance. I think I think he's going to be one of those guys where I, I don't necessarily know if I would trust him as a starter on my fantasy roster, but I think he is more than worthy of, of a look at some point in the draft because he is he's well-balanced, he's got good hands, he can run the ball pretty well, and it is only a matter of time before he does become the true RB1 in Philly, and I think we could expect to see that by the end of the season. So he's, he's one of those guys where he's – Definitely not going to go undrafted. He's going to go in the first six or seven rounds of most drafts, and I, I think he's I think he's worth a look at that point. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, he's like you say, he's the perfect balance, and he reminds me a lot of a young Lashawn McCoy. And don't don't forget, he was in high school at the same school with Saquon Barkley. Yeah, and that's that's another thing. I mean, he if comes you look from at his a good stats, lineage of, of running backs. Well, and if you look at his college stats, they're a bit misleading because mm-hmm. you can take a look at his stats and be like, oh, well, he wasn't that great. But then you realize, okay, he was behind Saquon Barkley, and Saquon Barkley is one of the best running backs already in the NFL. So I meant you to really... say college, not high school. But yeah, yeah, he was behind, yeah, I knew what you meant. He was behind Saquon, so he got to learn from him. He's from Pittsburgh, knows LaShawn McCoy, has a very similar running style, um, and it's, it's going to work in Doug Peterson's offense. Yeah, so 
I, I think we can agree. We both like Sanders a lot, and uh, you know, you you definitely like him a lot more than I do. I wouldn't necessarily ever go out and reach on him, but I would roster him if mm-hmm. the timing was correct. Definitely agree. Uh, so next running back we have to talk about is Darrell Henderson. Um, Darrell Henderson is pretty intriguing. So if you're in a PPR league, I think Darrell Henderson should be firmly on your radar. And the reason why is this. Uh, Sean McVay came out and basically hinted that Darrell Henderson was going to kind of take on a Chris Thompson sort of role. And if you remember, when Chris Thompson was healthy, Chris Thompson was actually like a top 15 running back in PPR fantasy leagues. So you have that. Next, you have Todd Gurley's injury woes. And though I don't think Darrell Henderson would slide in as the bell cow, he would obviously see an uptick in carries if Todd Gurley were to miss any time. So I think Terrell Henderson's a pretty intriguing option for PPR in 2019. Yeah, I definitely think he's a, a flex type, especially in the type of offense that Sean McVay runs, even though uh, I'm not a fan of <laughs> Twitter's favorite little head coach. Um, but I think, you know, in that spread type offense with the three wide receivers, I wouldn't be shocked if we see, you know, some sort of configuration of Jared Goff in shotgun sandwiched between Todd Gurley and Darrell Henderson. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. But I think that – and he's not too ridiculously expensive in uh, in drafts. He His ADP was ridiculously high this time about three or four weeks ago when everyone thought that Darrell Henderson would be like the bell cow if Todd Gurley went down. But a lot of rumors have since dispelled that, and his ADP has kind of normalized. So I think Darrell Henderson is going to be one of those rookies that, uh, you know, no matter what, He's going to be one of the rookies that does make an impact this year, and I think he is well-deserving of a roster spot. Plus, it sounds like Todd Gurley's trending in the right direction, so take that for what you will. Yeah, but Darrell Henderson, I think his appeal is going to come from being that sort of third down back. And he's definitely a guy that if you draft Todd Gurley, you're going to want to handcuff yourself with Henderson. No doubt. And if you're the one that drafts Darrell Henderson and your buddy has Todd Gurley, sell him high. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so next up we have Devin Singletary of the Buffalo Bills. I am a huge, huge, huge Devin Singletary fan. So much to the point that back in May when I was doing my rookie draft for Dynasty, his ADP was the beginning of the third round, late second round. Since then, it's it's gone up to the end of the first round. But I traded away like two or three assets and traded up to the third pick of the second round to take Devin Singletary. Everyone laughed at me, and now I'm very happy I did it. Yeah, uh, he's he's an interesting running back on this list for sure. He is, and it's a a lot of people will knock him because of his size. He is a pretty small human being to be playing football, especially at the running back position. But at the same time, I mean, if you look at his college numbers, I mean, they don't lie. That dude was a touchdown machine. That dude was a yard machine. I mean, they don't they didn't call him the motor for nothing. You know, it's. He's in a great situation, honestly, and I know it doesn't sound like it because he's behind LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore on the depth chart, but, I mean, if – I don't even – I don't know how to how to say this, but I think Devin Singletary is going to be the RB1 to own in Buffalo by, like, week five or six. Yeah, uh, Buffalo's just one of those weird situations where you don't know what's kind of going on. Um, with any position, With really. anything, except for Josh Allen. 
except for Josh Allen. So, I mean, it's, I think he's more of a you, – you definitely, if you can get him at a good spot in your draft, I would take him. Um, but he's definitely a wait and see in terms of putting him into your starting lineup. Yeah, I think in the mock draft that we did on Sleeper last week, I'm pretty sure he went to like the 14th or 15th round. And by all means, if you can stash Devin Singletary from the 15th round of your fantasy football draft, I think you have to. Yeah, totally agree. I think I mean, you absolutely have to. It's it's one of those things where Josh Allen is also still one of those quarterbacks that's also unknown, um, but he's solidified himself as the starter, of course. But you don't know what's going to happen with that offense, so you kind of just have to sit tight, buckle yourself in, and just enjoy the ride. Yeah. So those those uh, those guys that we just covered are going to be more or less the immediate impact players at the running back position. But I do want to go over about six or seven more of the running backs, and we'll just kind of go over these guys quickly. So the first one I want to talk about in this tier would be Justice Hill. Uh, he went to the Baltimore Ravens, and poor guy. He's, I know I feel so bad for him. But he's looking good, and I'm not pointing him out to say you have to go draft Justice Hill. I'm pointing him out to say maybe you should avoid Mark Ingram. I can get with that. Um, Mark Ingram did not look all too thrilled being on the sideline in Baltimore. He looked absolutely miserable. Um, So who knows how that's going to go into just how he plays. Um, But, you know, Justice Hill is definitely an intriguing late-round flyer type guy. Uh, if you're looking for another running back, if you fell asleep while on our hashtag not a sponsor sleeper HQ doing your draft, um, I, I would take a late round flyer on him, but he's definitely somebody that's more or less a Mark Ingram handcuff to wait and see what happens with the running game in Baltimore. Yeah. And I think, I think he's definitely a really good long-term asset, but for the short term, he's questionable at best. I mean, they have Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, Kenneth Dixon, and Justice Hill now. Not to mention there's a very real possibility that Lamar Jackson leads that entire team in rushing yards. So, you know, like I said, I'm bringing up Justice Hill because I think you need to downgrade all of your Baltimore Ravens, Ravens running, especially Mark Ingram. So that's something to look out for. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we have Damian Harris of the New England Patriots. I really don't want to talk about him too much besides this. And he, he, his ADP is currently in the 10th round. He was the final person in my round-by-round round ADP busts. I'm literally saying that this guy is going to bust, and you're drafting him only in the 10th round. Like, there is, there is no opportunity for him, realistically. So they have him. They have Sonny Michelle. They have James White. They have James Devlin. And they have Rex Burkett. So we know that Sonny Michelle is their RB1 right now. He has injury rows, so let's say he goes down, what happens? Well, James White role isn't going to change. He's the pass catcher, and we know that. But then you have James Devlin, who is the quote-unquote goal line back there. Did somebody say goal line? (laughs) Goal line. (laughs) But uh, then you you, you get down to the fact where it's like, okay, well, who's replacing Sonny Michelle? Is it going to be Damian Harris or is it going to be Rex Burkhead? And the answer is both. And honestly, I think the answer might be more Rex Burkhead than Damian Harris. And Rex Burkhead is going completely undrafted. So if you are in redraft for 2019, please do not waste a pick on Damian Harris because it is going to take about three injuries to make him relevant. Plus, he's a Patriots running back. 
and Bill Belichick gives it to whoever the hell he wants. Exactly. So he's someone to avoid. And one guy that I think is not someone to avoid uh, is going to be uh, Alexander Madison from the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings. So Madison is in an interesting place. So there's no more Latavius Murray there. They really don't have any other running backs besides Dalvin Cook. And don't get me wrong, Dalvin Cook is going to be the bell cow. But we know Dalvin Cook has injury issues. And in the preseason game, in the first four minutes of the first quarter, we saw Madison um, receive a play-action pass in the end zone. Mm -hmm. And I think that could kind of become a trend. I think that could be a fairly decent play for them to run. I think that Madison is going to kind of cap out Dalvin Cook. And if Dalvin Cook ever goes down, I think Madison is going to be bumped up to immediate mid RB2 range at the very least. So I, I actually really like taking a flyer on him. Yeah, the only other running back of note on the Vikings' first unofficial or first official depth chart from last week uh, is Amir Abdullah. And we all know Amir Abdullah has glass bones and paper skin. Um so he's not going to be much of a factor, in my opinion. And I don't think it's if Dalvin Cook gets injured, it's when Dalvin Cook gets injured. Because until he proves us that he can stay healthy for a sustained amount of time, uh, Mr. Madison is somebody that should be on your radar. Especially, uh, you know, whether it's redraft, dynasty, keeper, you should uh, you should be taking a look at him for sure. Most definitely. I mean, he's going to be one of the more, or he should be, I should say. He should be one of the more popular uh rookie running back flyers he's arguably a top five he's arguably a top five handcuff running back in the league yeah i i think so i i couldn't argue with that because the offense is explosive they're going to use a running back somehow i mean even when people were using latavius murray last year when dalvin cook went down latavius murray had some pretty big weeks Mm -hmm. so and you know i i can't really say if madison is more talented than latavius murray i mean i've never seen the guy play an actual nfl down but I, th- I think he looks pretty good, and at the very worst, I mean, he's going to be comparable with better hands. So take that for what you will. Look, Ma, he's got hands. Ryquel Armstead My is going dog. to be the next guy we are going to talk about. So I, I looked a little bit more into him after our draft, and tell me, tell me what you think about Armstead so, first. So I have a, a fun and unique connection and relationship with Ryquell. I actually got to cover him in high school uh, when I was on the high school sports beat for uh, NJ.com. And one, he's one of the nicest kids I've ever met in my entire life. Um, And I'm so happy he landed in like a positive kind of, you know, budding environment in Jacksonville. I think he's going to be stupendous. You know, Leonard Fournette is just, you know, a walking injury, a walking head case. I wouldn't be shocked if the Jaguars try to move on from him sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, I think this year is kind of his last year to yeah, prove he's it he's on to his them. He's on his last legs, no pun intended. But um, I, I think Ryquell Armstead has a real chance to be one of those later round real life NFL draft picks that turns into a really solid player, uh, especially with this Jaguars team. Yeah, I like him a lot, but I will say I, I'm not going to draft him in 2019. The reason why is because, like I said, this is Leonard Fournette's kind of last year 
um, to, to prove himself. And I, I kind of believe in Leonard Fournette. I, I think that he's going to be okay this year. And as long as he can stay on the field from injuries, um, I, I think he's going to string together a pretty successful year. Um, it's not a knock on Armstead. I think that you know he could be talented and he, he could be something down the road. But for 2019 redraft, I'm personally not touching him. And, uh, I mean, realistically, when you look at his college stats, there's nothing that really jumps off the page heavily. Uh, one thing that I do like about Armstead, though, is that he can catch the ball. So He can catch, that's and to... he, I believe it was either uh, last season or the season before when he was at Temple. Uh, consistently, I believe he had seven or eight straight games uh, with 100 yards rushing. So, I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at, especially in Division One college football shorts, Temple, say what you want, but... Um, I would I would take a late round flyer on Ryquell just for the fact that Leonard Fournette is a walking injury and he's had off the field issues as well. So if he gets suspended or anything like that, you're gonna want a handcuff for Leonard Fournette and a guy that's gonna be catching passes out of the backfield for the Jaguars. I view him as their pass catching back from a guy who likes to kind of check down in Nick Foles. Uh, I would take a late round flyer on Ryquell if uh, your roster permits it. Yeah, and that would be like really if your roster permits it, and just in my opinion, because I do think there are a handful of significantly better and safer uh, handcuffs to get. I do think everyone should grab a handcuff at some point in their draft, even if it's in the 15th round, because you never know what's going to happen. But uh, we'll move on. So the next one up is Darwin Thompson. To be completely honest, I don't know what to make of him. Can I just cue the Snoop Dogg video? Who? Well, Darwin Thompson, he's he's got a lot of potential. And the reason why is because he is on the Kansas City Chiefs. And we don't know what's going on with their backfield. So last month, Andy Reid was saying that Damian Williams was going to be their bell cow. This month, or this month Andy Reid is saying that they are going to be running a committee. And... That's a nightmare because no one knows how to decode it. Damian Williams is falling in stock. Uh, Carlos Hyde was rising at some point, and I think he is kind of rising right now because of that. And Darwin Thompson is also rising because of that. And he's also rising because he had a pretty successful preseason game. With that being said, it's a situation that I don't want to get invested in. If you're one of the people that takes a risk on Damian Williams early in your draft, Mind you, his ADP is like late second round, early third, which is already too way too early for Damian Williams. Nasty. But if you're going to go after Damian Williams, you might want to take Darwin Thompson later in your draft because if Damian Williams, quote unquote, the RB one, Damian Williams gets replaced at some point this season, I think it could be Darwin Thompson. So, like for example, Darwin Thompson is a handcuff that I think I would rather have than Ryquell Armstead. That's fair. Uh, I just don't trust the Chiefs' running backs right now until I see some sort of solidifying of one, maybe two. Um, but right now, I'm not even coming close to touching any of those three guys. And I only want to talk about one more running back, uh, and that's going to be Tony Pollard of the da- Tony Pollard, sorry, of the Dallas Cowboys. The only reason why I want to talk about him is because. Jerry Jones said that Tony Pollard could be, quote-unquote, the guy. 
if Ezekiel Elliott does end up holding out. Get your money, Zeke. Get your money. So, are you... Now, we'll have a little bit more clarity on everything this time when when you and I draft. Like, you and I are drafting on August 24th, Mm -hmm. which is about a week and a half before the actual NFL season starts. But the likelihood of Ezekiel Elliott or Melvin Gordon or any of the holdouts actually showing up at that point probably aren't much bigger than they are of the likeliness of them showing up now. So with that being said, Tony Pollard, where do you think you would be comfortable with kind of taking the risk on him at potentially having the Dallas Cowboys as new running back one? Uh, it's tough because they also brought in Alfred Morris again. We all know when Alfred Morris plugged in, he played pretty well. Um, sure. So, I mean, it's one of those things where he's a guy that I would rather miss on and feel stupid than take him and not know what I'm getting into at this point in time. Um, you know, obviously things can change and we'll see more of him in the preseason, I'm sure. And you take the preseason with a grain of salt always, but, um, I don't see Zeke reporting anytime soon. And, you know, if Jerry Jones is talking about something, I also can't believe it, uh, until I see it. He's one of those guys that is very sneaky with, uh, how he puts things. And if he's going to go and flat out put some guy out there and say that he could be the guy, I don't know if I can full-blown trust that, um, especially since, you know, he's not the coach. He's not making the game plans as far as we know. Um, but, I mean, if you want to, I would take a late-round flyer on him right now on August 13th, but I still wouldn't take the confidence uh, from that type of situation yet. Yeah, and here's something I can point out for you, too. So I, I mentioned earlier that in the Goal Line Dynasty um, League, we had our rookie draft back in May, literally the week after um, the NFL draft. A lot of people disagree with it, say that's way too early to do your rookie draft. You know what I say to you? Screw you. It's our league. We have fun. <laughs> but Tony Pollard, in all five rounds, 60 rookies were taken off the boards. Tony Pollard is still sitting on our waiver wire. I, I, I know for a fact that on September 1st, when our waivers do open up the blind bidding process, Tony Pollard's probably going to be uh, a very popular name that's being bid on because if Ezekiel Elliott isn't there by September 1st, Tony Pollard is definitely going to be worth a look. But he's not uber talented and he's not in an ideal situation if Ezekiel Elliott does come back. I mean, we took 60 rookies and he wasn't taken. So it's not like he's some ultra talented guy that got lost in the draft or, or something like that. I mean, it's. He's just Tony Pollard. Yeah, he kind of is just there. He doesn't do one thing extremely well that makes him stand out. Remember, this Cowboys offensive line is not getting any younger. Jason Witten is their tight end. And Dak Prescott's their quarterback. So Yeah, so take take it all with a grain of salt. And who knows? You know, Dak might hold out pretty soon if he doesn't get his $40 million. Get your money, yeah. Dak. Get your money. Yeah, I'm... Well, I'm sure that's a uh, quarterback that you actually do want them to uh, get their money and stay around. Oh, man, get that money, handicap the Cowboys, do your thing, Dak, do your thing. I support you 100%. So we're going to switch over to the wide receivers now. So we have uh, about 10 receivers to go over. Well, 
Three of them are a package deal. Those are the guys from Arizona, which we'll touch base on in a little bit. Uh, first one I want to talk about is the obvious rookie receiver, and that's Nikhil Harry. Uh, he's been number one or number two overall in all dynasty startups. He's going in the seventh or eighth round in redrafts right now. Uh, he is dealing with some injuries right now, so that is something to monitor. But he played, I think he only played three snaps uh, in the preseason game. And of those three snaps, he caught two balls for like 35 yards or, or something around there. And he looked pretty good doing it. Um, what do you think his immediate value is for 2019? Uh, one, it would be very interesting to see him wear number 50 as a wide receiver, as he has been in practice. Uh, two, his injuries are, are very minor, according to the Boston Globe and to my buddy Henry McKenna of the Patriots Wire, a uh, friend of the Underground Sports Philadelphia Network. Um, he's an interesting target, especially because he's catching passes from one of the best to ever do it, and he's probably going to be their number two option behind Julian Edelman. Uh, Providing Josh Gordon doesn't get reinstated, I'm right. sure. Or if, you know... I, I don't, me personally, I don't see Josh Gordon playing this year. Um, so, I mean, I would say Nikhil Harry is the number two receiving option for uh, this offense as it stands right now. And that's got to be very intriguing to anybody because it's the Patriots offense. Yeah, I, I currently have Nikhil Harry projected at a stat line for just under 600 yards and three touchdowns on the year. Uh, it's nothing stupendous, but when you take into account all the mouths that Tom Brady feeds, um, you know that's that's a pretty decent stat line to have. Uh, with that being said, that's not a stat line that I would particularly want at his price right now in 2019. Uh, if for some reason he slips through the cracks and you know he's in a double-digit round or maybe even the end of the ninth round, sure, okay, maybe I'll take him just because he is going to be a really good receiver someday, and maybe he'll do that in his first year. But I think. His price is just a bit too rich for my blood at the moment, so I will be passing on Nikhil Harry in redraft in 2019. He's somebody um, I would take a late flyer on potentially, um, but I, I it's, understand it's, your reasoning too. It's just his current ADP is just too high for me. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's the only place that I can knock Nikhil Harry. Um, I'm just I'm not I can't take him in a single digit round. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's many rookie wide receivers um, in any of the past few years that I could think of that would be warranted a, uh, you know, a, a single digit round pick just because rookie receivers, I mean, they take longer to develop and they take longer to get opportunity than running backs. Yeah, so, it's very rare that we get like that OBJ class of wide receivers. So Yeah, and while we're still talking about New England, I will bring up Jacoby Myers. So Jacoby Myers has actually been outshining all of the rookies, completely unexpectedly, by the way. He's been outshining all of the rookies in training camp. He looked really good in the preseason game. Uh, like, uh, I'm, I think he had two touchdowns. That's how good he looked. And Jacoby Myers is a dark horse candidate to be on the field fairly often for New England. Now, I, I still think I would rather have Nikhil Harry uh, for 2019 over Jacoby Myers, but Jacoby Myers is going to come with that double-digit round price tag, and I think if he's around in the 13th or 14th round, I might take a flyer on him. Thank you for sharing your insights. <laughs> <laughs> Guessing not much to say on Jacoby Myers. Yeah, I mean, 
he's he's uh like you said he's he's that late teens kind of flyer type that if he's there snatch him otherwise you know it's a wait and see yeah and he's still a fairly new name for a lot of people like i didn't know who jacoby myers was until about a week and a half ago Mm -hmm. um because he i'm pretty sure he went undrafted and he just got this chance from new england and i'm rooting for him you know i hope he uh hope he does well but uh next guy coming up has a huge opportunity in front of him was one of the first receivers off the board in uh, real life and in most fantasy drafts in terms of rookies, and that is DK Metcalf of the Seattle Seahawks. I love DK. Yeah, you got to root for him. (laughs) You got to root for the guy. I I love him so much. He's just so gigantor and huge, and he's going to be so much fun. Do you think he has an immediate impact in 2019? I absolutely do. And I said yeah. this before the actual NFL draft. I said if DK Metcalf ends up with a guy like Russell Wilson, he's going to thrive. And where does he end up with Russell Wilson? So I think he's going to thrive because he's got the perfect complementary wide receivers around him. You know, Tyler Lockett's yeah. that speed burner guy, and DK Metcalf can go out there and kind of be like that Alshon Jeffrey, Des Bryant type that is going to you know still stretch the field because he's got speed. But he's going to get up there and he's going to just put his hands up and, and get you yards to move you down to the, to the into the red zone. And then once you get into the red zone, you just lob it up to him because of his height and boom, you're scoring touchdowns. Yeah, I think he's going to be a pretty big end zone target. Um, I, I do think Tyler Lockett is still going to obviously be the wide receiver to own in this offense. But DK Metcalf is going to be a really good compliment to that team, a really good compliment to Russell Wilson. And he's pretty the opposite of what Tyler Lockett is. So Russell mm-hmm. Wilson is going to have the best of both worlds out there. Uh, DK Metcalf's current ADP is in the late ninth round, early 10th round. And in my opinion, that's perfect. I will gladly take him at that spot. Yeah, I think he's going to be a very solid wide receiver three this year. So all of the other rookies coming up all have double-digit ADPs for 2019 and some of them are actually going undrafted but are getting a lot of hype right now so the first guy i'll go over is paris campbell of the indianapolis colts now i'm pretty sure paris campbell is sitting out with injury right now nothing too serious uh they just don't want to kill him because it's training camp it's preseason whatever um if you asked me about paris campbell this time a few weeks ago i would have been so incredibly excited about him uh i would have been so incredibly excited about the entire indianapolis colts offense but with Andrew Luck and his injury and his uh, might be around week one, I don't like it. I'm scared to draft almost any Colts, especially a rookie. Well, with Paris Campbell, uh, he suffered a setback, and it's a hamstring injury. So for a guy that is a, a speed receiver, uh, I am very concerned about a hamstring injury. So right now, uh, as it sits, I would be shying away from that because hamstring injuries can linger. And uh, we've seen it time and time again with speed guys where the hamstring just acts up on them and then they're out again. Um, so I am I am pumping the brakes right now on Paris Campbell uh, as of yeah, August I think, 13th. I think I'm taking him off of my draft board uh, for now. Yeah. Now, granted, just just everyone keep in mind, like it's this is not dynasty talk. We're not saying for anything after 2019. This is I'm literally not telling you not redraft, to go. redraft boys season. Yeah, I'm not telling you to not draft Paris Campbell in your dynasty league. 
Um, but I am telling you, do not touch him in redraft at this point. It is just a bit risky, just a bit scary, and shouldn't want any part of it. I think we need to make shirts, Mikey, that say redraft boys. Redraft boys. It's going to be in the but, uh, works. Stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. Next up, we have A.J. Brown of, unfortunately, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, in my opinion, A.J. Brown is uber-talented and was the most talented receiver in the entire 2019 NFL draft. That's my opinion. I'm sticking to it because I'm right. Um, A.J. Brown is so good, but he's in Tennessee, and honestly, I can't, I can't even think about drafting him in 2019. He's in Tennessee, and it makes my heart smile because it's just like – what how, how it's like that balancing act in uh Avengers Endgame, you know, with Gamora and the little uh dagger that Thanos gives her. It's like Mikey hates the Titans, but he loves AJ Brown. He's gotta find a balance. I love AJ Brown. He is dealing with a little bit of an injury, but it shouldn't be uh too major. That's according to uh ESPN's Teron Davenport, friend of the show. Um I think AJ Brown's gonna be really good just because I like the Titans, that's my brand. Um, they're alternate universe Eagles and, uh, I, I would draft AJ Brown. We'll, we'll agree to disagree on this one. Don't we always? We do, especially when Tennessee is involved. And, <laughs> and, and I, I have to, I have to reiterate this. I love AJ Brown. He is so good. He's so good to the point where I have the second overall pick in our startup for, for the rookies. If AJ Brown would have went to like 25 other teams. <laughs> I would have taken him second overall over where I took Nikhil Harry. That's how much I believe in A.J. Brown. But because he ended up in Tennessee, because he's with Marcus Mariota for at least this year, I can't I can't touch him for was, redraft. Was that the third open invitation? Are you extending your hands out to invite A.J. Brown on the podcast, Mikey? A.J. Brown, if you want to come on the podcast, you're more than welcome to. Just know... I love you, but I hate your team. We are we are just a we just invite wide receivers as guests on this show. That's it. Running backs, <laughs> you're not allowed unless you wanna. <laughs> um, but while we're while we're talking about AJ Brown, we might as well talk about Marquise Brown. Now this is the um, one that kills me. This is the one that kills me. Yeah, it it, it kills me too because he's uber talented. He was definitely a top five uh, talent in this draft and. He goes to Baltimore, which, in my opinion, is, you know, ironically enough, if you put Baltimore and Tennessee side by side to me, I would only draft the tight ends from either of those teams. Everyone else is off limits, completely off my board. So, for that reason, Marquise Brown is obviously off my board, but tell me your insights because I know you're a big Marquise Brown fan. I love Hollywood. Hollywood is my guy, and my heart broke. It shattered into a million trillion pieces when I saw the thing on uh, ESPN and hear the little din 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 freaking Roger Goodell say that Hollywood Brown was taken by the Baltimore Ravens. You know, John Harbaugh, you're you're very mean. You're mean for, for ruining Hollywood Brown for fantasy owners. I know. It's where fantasy value goes to die is Baltimore and Tennessee. And <laughs> you just have to keep throwing the jabs, dude. It's so bad. Like AJ Brown and Marquise Brown were both so high in my rankings, and they just as soon as they got drafted by those teams, they plummeted. Hollywood but, had such a good chance to be like the next Deshaun Jackson. 
dude, I know. And it's gone. It's gone. Uh, (laughs) We'll talk about Debo Samuel next. Debo Samuel is actually on a fun team. Debo Samuel actually has a chance to be his team's wide receiver one. I love Debo. Um, I love his name. You remember how last week in our mock draft, you were able to take Debo Samuel as your final pick of the entire draft? That's my boy Debo right there, man. I love me some Debo Samuel. In my opinion, that's absolutely bizarre. Like, (laughs) Dante Pettis, who is quote-unquote going to be their wide receiver one right now. It's it's him and technically Marquise Goodwin. But Dante Pettis is going in like the seventh round or or maybe even the sixth round. Uh, He's going pretty high. In my opinion, Debo Samuel has a better chance to produce, and you could get him as your last or second-to-last pick, and if that's the case, I mean, I'm all in on Debo this year. I love Debo. I loved him since draft day. He's got one of the best names in the league. I love Debo Samuel, man. Yeah, he's he's going to be good. Um, you know who might not be good, at least for 2019, is Miko Hardman, the receiver that went to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, do, you, do you have any thoughts on, on Miko Hardman? Because I, I have a ton of them. I disagree with you. Okay. Go for it. Um, one. Let now, it be... now, I'm I'm not talking longevity. I'm just talking these next five months. Yeah, to- I I think he's going to be really really good. Um, okay. I think, you know, I was I was perusing the Twitter.coms and uh, Adam Lefko from Bleacher Report had Brian Westbrook on his uh, show today, and Brian Westbrook was talking about how when the Eagles signed Michael Vick and uh, Andy Reid was just going you know crazy like a kid doodling on napkins but drawing plays for Michael Vick and it's like one of those rare things where Andy Reid doesn't do that um until he gets like Andy Reid's got his his plays set in stone kind of knows what he's going to do with his roster but when you get a player of that kind of caliber you are like a kid in a candy store uh Brian Westbrook I believe said he was talking to Andy Reid or is imagining Andy Reid doing the same thing now because he's got two speed guys to go on the outside he's got Tyreek Hill and, you know, have your opinions about, you know, if he should have been suspended or whatever. Um, we'll see what happens. And, you know, if it does, Miko Hardman's stock rises that much more. But I think he's got a real chance to be a game-changing weapon in this offense because, one, his quarterback's Patrick Mahomes. So anybody catching passes from Pat Mahomes is going to be, you know, exceptional. And, two... I just think he's flat-out talented, and I think he can really contribute to this offense and really make it four-dimensional for the Chiefs because outside of of Tyreek Hill, you have Sammy Watkins, and there's not much else at the wide receiver position than obviously Travis Kelsey being a top-three tight end in the league. But I think Miko Hardman is being underrated right now in drafts and just in general for this year. And I think he's going to be a big, big contributor for this offense and has the chance to be the wide receiver, too, in a Chiefs offense that is going to put up points. I I like Miko Hardman, but the issue is I like Tyreek Hill more, and they're very similar players and have very similar play styles, and I just don't think the offense is going to be able to score both of them. Um, now, I can see Miko Hardman being a huge beneficiary when Tyreek Hill, you know, if Tyreek Hill leaves the Chiefs after this season or the season after that, because I know 
They're going into contract discussions. And with all the drama that's happening, especially if Miko Hardman is the player that they drafted him to be, they might not necessarily keep Tyreek Hill around. And if that's the case, then yes, I will be a big Miko Hardman fan. But my, I, I have two really big issues with him. First one I kind of already touched base on, and that's that him and Tyreek Hill are so similar. And they're both very skilled. But Tyreek Hill is more skilled. Tyreek Hill is already proven. Tyreek Hill is faster, even though Miko Hardman is really damn fast. Um, I just I don't think the offense is going to be able to successfully sustain both of those guys on the field. Um, I just I just don't see it happening. So I'm personally not taking Miko Hardman in 2019 uh, for that reason. And the other reason is flashback to before the NFL draft started. Go back to early May, go back to April, go back to the end of March when all of the college scouts and everyone who super pays attention to, to college uh, for fantasy football is making their rankings. Miko Hardman was not ranked in anyone's top 50 players, like, at all. Mikkel Hardman was this complete afterthought, and when Kansas City drafted him as the first receiver off the board uh, back in May, everyone, or was it May or March? March. May? May. March? April. May. April, April. Yeah, April. Back in April, when Mikkel Hardman was the first receiver that came off the board, the entire fantasy community was scratching their heads. Who the hell is this guy? And that's another reason why. he His talent in college didn't completely stand out to really get anyone to look his way. He ended up on Kansas City, which is probably the best situation anyone could end up on. But he didn't have anything to make him stand out then. And I think, in my mind, he still has a lot to prove. So this is one of those players, we'll agree to disagree, your take him i'm not and you are more than welcome to do so he definitely has a lot to prove but your point about tyree kill being better it means defenses are going to cover him because one he's more well proven which could leave more opportunities for patrick mahomes to sling that ball to Mikel hardman on the other side of the field well the issue is that they also have sammy Watkins, and believe it or not sammy Watkins is actually one of the top 10 paid receivers in the entire league right now so they're going to use sammy Watkins if sammy Watkins can actually stay on the field they're going to use Sammy key. Watkins. that's the key sammy watkins is super injury prone especially with that foot uh i don't trust him i did last year and it was a huge mistake so take sammy watkins very uh you know walk on eggshells with him yeah i'm just i'm not i can't draft a rookie receiver that's dependent on someone going down especially when that rookie receiver is already so similar to one of the starters. I just, I can't do it. But we'll move on. So the next guy I have on my list, I'm actually going to save for last on the receiver list because I know you are going to go off about him. I'm sure you can guess who that is. Um, so we're going to skip over him and come back to him a little bit later. Um, I do want to touch on the Arizona Cardinals receiver. So they drafted Andy Isabella as their first receiver. They drafted Hakeem Butler as their second receiver. And they drafted Keyshawn Johnson at the very end of the draft. Um, Keyshawn Johnson's currently having the best training camp out of the three of them, which is pretty surprising. Are you drafting any Arizona rookies in 2019? No. Yeah, me neither. I just, I can't see it. I'd, I'd rather, dra- if, if I'm drafting any Arizona receivers, Larry Fitzgerald. 
It's going to be Larry Fitzgerald or it's going to be Christian Kirk. It's going to be a guy that's actually been there, preferably Larry Fitzgerald. Um, there's a lot of hype around Christian Kirk right now, and he's good. And he was decent on a terrible offense last year. But I just I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains in Arizona, whether we want to believe it or not. And if, if I'm going to go with any of the receivers from there, I don't think it's going to be any of the rookies. Yeah, hard pass. Uh, next up, we will talk about um, Tony McLaurin. Um, was drafted by the Washington Redskins per the request of Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins <laughs> had tweeted out, uh, I think it was like a month prior or even a couple weeks prior, basically saying, whoever drafts me, please draft McLaurin. And McLaurin has been Haskins' favorite target in training camp. And I wonder why. Yeah, seriously. But there's so many issues with the roster bubble in Washington right now to the point where Josh Doxson is not even a given. He's technically their wide receiver one, and it's not a given that he's even going to make the 53-man roster. So for that reason, uh, McLaurin's going to be probably one of my favorite rookie receivers to take a flyer on because there's the, he's the only receiver on this entire list that – actually has potential to be his team's wide receiver one this year with the quarterback situation in washington and with the offensive line situation in washington especially if dwayne haskins is starting i'm i'm hard passing on any washington wide receivers well there we go so then i'll give you miko hardman in the 15th round you give me tony mclaurin in the 15th round and we'll both be happy i'll take it or not tony terry mclaurin sorry um And there is one more receiver that I want to talk about before we dive into your uh, favorite rookie receiver. And I want to talk about Hunter Renfro real quick. Um, I know you, you told me about Hunter Renfro before anyone else did. So how do you, how do you feel about him? Cause I remember we, we talked about him a couple months ago. Uh, I like Hunter Renfro. I hate, he's kind of like my AJ Brown. I hate that he ended up in Oakland. Um, Sure. You know, it's, it's kind of a, Blah, situation with that um i think he's i think he's a, a a really sneaky late round receiver that you can grab and hopefully uh you know his stock just rises because oakland is just bad um antonio brown is the biggest wild card in the league right now um i think you could take away the word card and just call him wild yeah he's absolutely wild um Somebody actually found the helmet he needs, by the way, too, online, so that'll be interesting. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I like Hunter Renfro. I just need to hopefully see Derek Carr be an actual NFL quarterback before I trust full-blown, like, rostering him. Yeah, I think think he is worth one of those late-round flyers, just because, like, I was reading earlier that there's a very at least a somewhat possibility that he could be their starting slot guy, which mm-hmm. would be pretty interesting. I mean, you have Antonio Brown on the one side, who is just a phenomenal receiver. Um, and then you have Tyrell Williams on the other side, who is that home run hitter receiver. Mm-hmm. You obviously need a guy in the slot that is going to, you know, reap the benefits of all that. And I think Hunter Renfro could be the guy. Uh, he's going pretty much undrafted right now. So he's one of those guys where you could also consider taking in one of those uh, in your final rounds. Yeah, I totally agree. And now for the moment that I know you've been waiting for, I'm not even going to say anything besides his name, and that's J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. So, for everybody at home, J.J. is from Spain, is where his family's from, and it's actually pronounced J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. 
Um, so well, are you sure you just didn't hear Mike Tyson saying his name? Good one. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I am very excited for JJ to be on the Eagles. Uh, it's not every day that you go out there uh, strapped up, both elbows taped up, and say that you're not going to be good because uh, that's what he did in preseason game one. And I was very intrigued by what I saw. You know, with him on the field, he looks you know, super intelligent on the field, knows what he's doing, and uh, he's going to have a real shot to be a contributor even as a wide receiver for uh, on a very talented team. And I think, you know, it's it's another one of those situations where he's a late-round flyer, um, but I definitely think he's going to have his games where he's going to get the ball a decent amount of times in this offense. So I love J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Arcega-Whiteside, however you want to pronounce it. That's what he told uh, the media, but um, I, I think you know he's got a real shot to you know have some home run hitting type games this year. Yeah, I I like him. I like him a lot, but I don't necessarily like the situation. I mean, I, I love that he has Carson Wentz thrown to him. I mean, it's always great to have you know one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL thrown it to you. But whenever I think of taking anyone from Philly, uh, aside from Zach Ertz, you can completely exempt him from this list. Um, but whenever I think about taking anyone from Philly, I'm like, oh, man, all those mouths. There's so many people to feed, and Carson Wentz can only throw the ball so many times. Um, I, I I think in terms of fantasy receivers, I think he's going to be the wide receiver three in Philly. Now, with that being said, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson both have wide receiver two potential and at very worst will be high-end wide receiver threes. Um you know, Alshon Jeffrey's probably going to lead the way for them. But J.J. Ortega, Ortega Whiteside, um, I don't know. I I, I really don't know. Like, if I had – if he was still there in, like, the last five picks of the entire draft Mm -hmm. and one of the the guys that I was really pumped up about earlier on in this list isn't there, I I probably would take a flyer on him just because you don't know what's going to happen in Philly. You don't know how the rapport with Carson Wentz is going to develop. And you don't know if Deshaun Jackson is going to be able to stay healthy all year. And if Deshaun Jackson doesn't stay healthy all year, then J.J. is getting a serious boost. So I would I would consider him as one of my late-round flyers. My biggest uptick for J.J. is that I think he's going to see a lot of red zone usage in 12 personnel. Which would be massive. Yeah. Which would be massive. But... I imagine he becomes like the fourth target in the red zone because Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and Alshon Jeffrey are obviously mm-hmm. better red zone options. So even then, it's still sketchy. So he's he's the player for me where it's like, I like him, but I don't like his situation. But I don't hate his situation, but I don't love him. <laughs> so it's like, it's 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 just the weirdest thing for me. But I, I do like him and... Uh, you know, I think I think he's going to have a successful career with the Eagles. Now, to wrap up the show, we only have two more guys to talk about. We'll just touch base on them really quick because most rookie tight ends can't make any sort of impact. Uh, first one I want to go over is TJ Hawkinson. So TJ Hawkinson, in my opinion, I had him ranked as like a top 13, top 14 tight end for fantasy in my projections. And then Matt Patricia comes out and just – pardon my language, but shit's all over my take. So 
Jesse James is technically the starting tight end there, and TJ Hawkinson, it is confirmed that he is going to be, at least for now, the backup to Jesse James, which we should have figured anyway because tight ends normally do not produce well in their rookie year. But I'm still taking him. If I, if, if I for some reason, grab a second tight end, which I usually don't, but if I do grab a second tight end, he's one of the names that I'm actually looking for because he could be really, really good in the second half of the season. Yeah, uh, and you, you hope and pray that Matt Patricia uses that rocket science brain and runs a little bit of 12 personnel and has both of those guys out there and gives you know Hawk some, uh, some opportunities to catch the ball as well. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. I mean, I think he's going to be a pretty good red zone target too. Um, I mean, they have Kenny Galladay there. That's a massive red zone target, but I think... I think TJ Hawkinson, even at the beginning of the season, I think he could be the second favorite in the red zone. So I, I do like him. I do like taking a shot on him. And he's a player that I'm really excited to uh, to see produce. And the last guy that we're going to talk about, the Mr. Irrelevant of the uh, podcast for the night, but not Mr. Irrelevant in real life, is going to be Noah Font, which who was, ironically enough, TJ Hawkinson's teammate in college. So uh, do you have any takes on Noah Font? Is he Times New Roman, Ariel, Jester? What what font uh, is he? No, no, no. I think he's just like size bold though. Oh, he's oh he's just Noah. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's playing in Denver. He's catching balls from uh, gunslinger Joe Flacco, and uh, with that that Denver air, it's gonna it's gonna help the ball carry. I think he's gonna be a decent tight end too. Um, and obviously, he's a rookie. You're gonna wait and see for. Uh, Mr. Drew Locke to become the starter there in a couple years, but uh, I think Noah Font has some some tight end two upside to him. Yeah, I think he does too. Um, you know, I don't I don't necessarily know that Joe Flacco is going to target his tight end to a ridiculous extent, but he could be a pretty decent checkdown option. I mean, realistically speaking, there's not going to be a tight end above him on the depth chart come week one. So I think Noah Font is going to see starting reps before TJ Hawkinson does, but I still would rather draft TJ Hawkinson if that makes sense. It's going to be a lot of fun if they run 12 personnel because then their 12 personnel font will be butt font because the backup tight end is Jake Butt. <laughs> That's right, which he actually looked pretty decent in I a like couple Jake of the games Butt, last year. But I just I, I don't see him beating out Noah Font, especially if they're going to put a first-round pick in Noah Font. Like, yeah, absolutely. Jake Butt is just fun because he was smart in marketing himself, ladies and gentlemen. His first sponsorship deal was with Charmin. Which is hilarious, by the way. Amazing. But, uh, yeah, so that pretty much wraps everything up. Uh, we talked about all the rookies that we had wanted to, to touch base on, uh, so pretty excited that we got through them all to be completely honest with you and we said it once we said it twice we might have said it a hundred times during this podcast but we're gonna say a hundred and first time this was for redraft so if you're listening to this don't take this information to your rookie drafts if you're in dynasty because you may be a little disappointed yeah that's gonna be the title of this episode is rookie redraft boys rookie redraft boys but there are a uh, there's a pretty big handful of rookies that you could consider taking in 2019 there's only maybe i don't know like five or six that i would consider putting on a starting lineup 
And even then, I'm kind of clenching my teeth as I do it. But there are a lot of late-round rookie flyers that are going to be a lot of fun to, to take a look at when you're drafting in a couple weeks. Definitely. You know where the best place to let us know who you're taking a flyer on is, Mikey, outside of the Twitter.com? Where might that be, Mr. Kyle? It's in those Apple Podcast reviews. Leave the five-star ratings and reviews and let us know who your favorite rookie is that you're drafting in your drafts and why you're drafting them because simple name answers are are not fun. We want substance. So we have standards and we want substance. Five-star ratings and reviews only and who your favorite rookie that you're drafting is and why. And if you haven't upgraded your phone yet, do so. But if not, we're on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, you can listen to the Goal Line Fantasy Football Podcast. Just search Underground Sports Philadelphia and you'll get it in your feed. Hit that subscribe button and you'll get a push notification when a new podcast comes through. And then they can also follow us on the Twitter.com, Mikey, at UndergroundPHI, at Goal underscore Line underscore FFB, and uh, they'll get all their hot fantasy football content and takes. Yeah, so make sure you guys go and follow. Make sure you guys leave your reviews. And make sure you guys keep up to date with us. We're going to be back next week. We're going to be going over our positional rankings starting next week. And, uh, you know, if we if we can squeeze it in, which we really want to, we're actually going to go through a second mock draft towards the end of the week as well. Um, if, we, if we can't get to that next week, we're definitely going to do it the following week. But next week, you can definitely expect a rankings episode from us. Uh, we're very excited to, to get on here and kind of briefly go over all of our top guys and who we're really targeting. Uh, plus, who knows, maybe this time next week we'll have some Melvin Gordon or Ezekiel Elliott news and we'll be able to uh, discuss that a little bit further. So let's keep our fingers crossed for that. But uh, for myself, for Kyle, for Underground Sports Philadelphia, and obviously for Gold Line Fantasy Football, thanks for tuning in tonight, and uh, we hope to see you again next week. Tyler Boyd, come on the podcast. Peace.